This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Great to be with you. We are just out, literally like hours away from Texas training camp. As we record this on a Monday, training camp first practice Wednesday morning. Finally here, the D'Amico Ryans era really upon us with training camp here, and it's great to be with you. Hope you had a great weekend. My name is Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. Joined, as always, by my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, good morning. How you feeling? Sean, I'm doing great. It's always fun, that first week of training camp that leads up to the first day. And the reason I like training camp, it means we're closer to see them, this one's special because D'Amico Ryan's, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson Jr. People haven't been this fired up for the start of a training camp since Gary Kubiak came back to Houston from Denver in 2006. And I've said this on a lot of shows, and I might have said it to you last week, that the first camp to me is like the first day of school. I used mm-hmm. to love the first day of school, and then I hated the rest. But I can't wait for Wednesday. And we'll have our next podcast after that first practice. We'll have the first set of observations you can get anywhere, podcast form, uh, we will have for you. John and I are recording right after practice is over on Wednesday. So we'll have you covered throughout training camp here on the Utopia Football Podcast. All right. Hey, John, before we get into our topics here real quick, um, because, boy, people have a bone to pick with you, um, we should make a quick mention. We've still got, I believe, a month from today – is when you and I are going to be out at the Houstonian with our friend uh, Steve Runnerhouse, the GM out there, and dozens and dozens of football fans. Houston, Utopia Football Podcast going on the road. We're going to do that dinner just like we do our show. We're going to talk about every sport, not just the Texans, but the Astros. Astros, then it's August the 24th. You can go on to Houstonian.com and go under events, and you'll see all about it. Uh, I tweet it. Sean tweets it. Houstonian tweets, I can't wait. We're going to end up with about 60 people. That's the limit, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, get your spot now. I mean, there, as John pointed out, this is not a uh, this is not a an endless roster of people that, that are going to be able to come. I mean, sp- the space space still available, but if it's available, but it's limited space. And I can't impress upon you enough, the listener, that not only will it be some great football conversation, very interactive. 
uh, because you're going to be in the same room with us. It's not like you're sending a mailbag question in and then we're picking and choosing. We're right there with you talking about uh, all things Texans. We'll mix some Astros in for sure. Football talk. But there's a great meal to go with it as well, a four-course meal. And the, anybody who's been to the Houstonian to eat knows that that is five-star type of stuff. So, yes, Houstonian.com, and then click on the events, and you'll find it uh, You'll find it right there. Sign up, grab some of the limited space that is still available. All right, John, um, honestly, on a week where the Astros are mathematically got a shot here at first place in the next two, three days, um, where Texans training camp gets started, where there's all kinds of news popping around the league, I'm leading in. I think what the people are here for is to hear from you about this Tennessee Titan social media siege that they unleashed on Sunday night with the old Oiler uniforms, Derek Henry in an Oiler uniform, Ryan Tannehill, Kevin Byard wearing Oiler uniforms. And I will give credit. If there's winners and losers in football on this particular Monday that we're recording, the Titans social media team is a big winner because they had everybody talking. The Titans are going to be wearing the Oiler uniforms for two games, two home games this coming season, John. One of them will be against the Texans, even though it's not official. I expect it to be official later in the week. I'll have a column immediately on sportsradio610.com where there's no paywall, and I'll have Warren Moon, Robert Brazil, Dan Pastrini, and some ex-Oilers talking about how much they love it because they want to see their uniforms kept alive. And, of course, the Texans can't do that. The Texans have nothing to do with the Oilers and the Titans. And Bud Adams, when he moved the team, when they were still the Tennessee Oilers, he got it put in writing. No other team could ever be the Oilers. Nobody could, other team could ever wear their uniforms. So I like those uniforms. It's a blast from the past. They wore them the first two years in Nashville, Sean. When they were Tennessee Oilers, 97, 98, nobody cared because they were so mad at Bud Adams for moving the team. They didn't care what went on in Nashville. But now, because time has passed, a lot of fans feel like they're rubbing it in their face here, especially doing it against the Texans. I think it's great for the rivalry. It's great for talk shows, podcasts, columnists, and I will feel that controversy as much as I can because – we should have had a rivalry in Houston and Nashville that was heated. That was a good old-fashioned blood-spilling rivalry a long time ago, and it's never happened because both teams are not good at the same time playing games for home field advantage of the Super Bowl or the division. And uh, maybe if it's uniforms that fuels the fire, so be it. Yeah, John, is this – I mean, you've covered every snap of the Texans' history. You've covered a vast majority of the Oilers' and Titans' history. And I think you touched on an important thing right there, is that it's rarely have these two teams been at the same strata of that division at the same same time, maybe even less so than the Colts. You know, the Colts and the Texans have rarely been good or bad at the same time, more so lately. Than, you know, obviously last year they were two of the worst four teams in football. But I think even more, even more than the Colts and the Texans, the Titans and the Texans have been at opposite ends of the spectrum at the same time. Because of that, I don't know. It, it feels like it's between this and the Titans taking Vince Young back in 2006 and then the subsequent Vince Young games the next few years when Vince was still playing at a fairly high level. Are those the two things that stand out amongst everything else when it comes to this rivalry? And does this jersey thing supersede the Vince Young drafting by the Titans back in 2006. 
I think the Texans had made it clear with the number one pick they weren't going to take a quarterback. They weren't going to take Vince Young. They were going to take Reggie Bush. Then they switched to Mario Williams because they hired Gary Kubiak to come in and fix David Carr. But then David was not fixable, so they got rid of him after a year and, and acquired Matt Schaub. So I think this is going to – because it's not going to happen until December – we're going to be talking about it for a long time. I wish it was in September before the Texans were way out of the race. Titans might be out of the race, although I think they'll put some heat on the Jaguars as long as Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and DeAndre Hopkins are healthy. Uh, I see people put up that Oiler Derrick helmet on the, on the Internet and say, what's the first player that pops into your mind? When you say this, and I replied, DeAndre Hopkins in December. <laughs> John, why are you becoming such a heel on everybody? Everybody hates you right now. Oh, I don't care. I think it's great. It helps. It helps get comments. It helps get followers. Now, if, they, if everybody quits following me, it'll be different. But I love those uniforms. And if I got to see them being worn by the Titans, I'm like Moon and Matthews and all those great uh, Oilers players. Better seeing them. That way than not at all. First of all, you'd love to see them here. Yeah. Now, if they wore those uniforms here, oh. that would be rubbing their face in it. John. But that's never going to happen. That would be like old school Mid-South wrestling trying to, you know, having a bad guy try to get out of the arena the night he fought the junkyard dog or something. That There'd be there, there'd be cutlery involved in, in, in that in that whole thing. Yeah, John, I, ne- I never thought uh, along the lines in this prestigious career of yours that continues to this very day that you would ultimately wind up just an internet troll. I never thought that that would happen, but, but here we are now real quick to put a bow on the, the Titans Euler uniform talk. Um, you're talking about a Texans game involving these Euler uniforms as if it's, you're talking about it like it's a done deal. They haven't announced anything yet. As far as the two games go, the, the Titans when they're going to wear these uniforms, but it sounds like uh, you anticipate the Texans game being one of those games. It better be because I've been saying it since March at the league meetings that it was one it would be against. They can do it two times. They wanted to do it three times, but they could only do it twice. And I'm guessing that they'll do another one against an old AFC central rival. And uh, so um, I, I'd be shocked if it wasn't, but the truth is it will be. Yeah. I, um, I, I looked at the schedule and actually, unfortunately they play the Steelers on the road. These are both going to be home games. They play the Steelers on a Thursday night on the road. How great would that have been to see the old oiler uniforms in prime time against the Steelers? Um, that would have been really, you know, for us, for us older fans, it would have been really, really cool. Um, they play Cleveland in Cleveland week three, they play Cincinnati, Week four in Cincinnati. I guess they that that was they were part of that old division back then, right, John? Yeah, it was the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers. And uh, if 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 they got to do it against the Bengals, that'd be the other one in my mind. I can't imagine they would wait and do it against, say, the Jaguars or the Colts. That wouldn't have near the nostalgia. And when you wear throwback uniforms, to me, and especially when you're wearing uniforms of the team you used to be. You should keep it within the division. Yeah. Yeah. The only teams that there's really any kind of history with, I guess, would be the Bengals. That's well, the, there's there's history with the Texans in, you know, in terms of the Titans and the Texans and obviously the Houston ties. But they have a schedule, John, without a lot of games where you go, that's the game where we should be wearing the Oilers. You know, I mean, they the Ravens, who I know used to be the Browns, but they're not, you know, they don't even have any legal ties to the Browns. They play the Falcons at home. 
They play Carolina at home. You know, Carolina didn't even – they barely existed when the Oilers existed. Um, they play the, the Seahawks at home. As you mentioned, Jacksonville, again, like Carolina, barely even existed when the Oilers were still a thing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, if you're going to do games where there's maximum impact for these sorts of things, it's really those two games, the Bengals and the Texans, are the only two on the schedule. The only ones that would have been uh, not better than the Texans, of course, but if, say, they were playing the NFC East again and the Cowboys were to play there yeah. because the Oilers and Cowboys played almost every year yeah. in preseason. And back then it was the last preseason game. And, and and back in those years, your last preseason game was the one where you played the starters for three quarters to get them ready for the season. So it was almost like a, a regular season opener. And so they had some great battles on the field and off the field in court. And so that would have been the only other one. It would have been maybe they could couldn't be for the governor's cup. Maybe it would be some other kind of cup. But uh, unfortunately, they're not going to play. They wouldn't see they said the AFC South played the NFC East last year. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's that deal. I guess we'll learn more in the coming days about when exactly con- confirmation as to when exactly the Titans will wear these Oiler uniforms. They do look good. They're good looking uniforms. But boy, it's got Houston. Up in a tizzy. Um, so Houston John, Oilers. Houston why Oilers. Why are you doing this, John? Houston trying to build Oilers up an audience. One. <laughs> Houston Texans. Houston Texans. That, now that Houston would be Texans number one. If if you want to if you want to troll right back a proportional response after the Texans beat the Titans in those uniforms, if if somebody on the team were to lead the Texans <laughs> in the locker room. Oh, I mean, that would be great. phenomal. Oh, John, this, this would get the rivalry where be you've been hoping it will have been the last 20 years. I'm going to put this in, I'm going to put this in my column for sportsradio.com. That would be fantastic. And uh, with, a lot of people don't understand that old Houston Oilers number one fight song. A guy wrote it and offered it to every AFL team. And two of them took it, the Dolphins and the Oilers. And when I hear that song playing in Miami, I used to cover a lot of NFL games there when I was covering the NFL for eight years between yeah. the Oilers and the and the Titans, I mean yeah. the Texans. Yeah. And I used to hear that song in Miami and it made me sick. Did you sing Houston Oilers instead of Miami Dolphins? No, I didn't sing squat. I gritted my teeth. Okay. Well, you become see you weren't quite the troll back then that you are now. <laughs> One year, the Oilers, a couple of years, the Oilers were so bad, they took the words out and just played the music because it was all about them going to the Super Bowl, and it was so ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. All right, John, let's shift gears. The Texans start training camp this week. We'll get into some of the final questions that we have before training camp, but I guess the big news Texans-wise um, over the weekend, 
Uh, they announced their seven assistant coaches that are going to coach during training camp on the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship Program, one of whom is former Texans great Jonathan Joseph, multi-time Pro Bowler, greatest free agency signing in the history of the team, still makes his home here in Houston. And um, he is going to be one of the assistant coaches that are part of this fellowship program. Uh, I guess, John, just for the benefit of people who are unfamiliar with the program, give like the 30-second thumbnail sketch as to what exactly this is that Jonathan Joseph and a handful of other assistant coaches from various walks of life, high school coaches, college position coaches, et cetera, are going to be taking part in here. This has been going on for years in the NFL. Uh, one year, the Texans had Billy White Shoes Johnson as their minority coach. It wasn't Bill Walsh then. And Billy came in and worked with the returners as well as the receivers. And that was really cool. And so having J. Joe back, I thought when he played that he should go immediately to either their coaching staff, player relations, something with this team, because he's one of the all-time great guys. And I think he'd be a terrific coach. And I don't know if he wants to do it full-time. This is probably going to give him a taste of coaching. And I think it's tremendous. So, I, I agree with you, and I think Jonathan Joseph would be great. Um, I tweeted over the weekend that, uh, John, I hearken back to 2011 when Jonathan Joseph got to Houston and Kareem Jackson was coming off just an abysmal rookie year at cornerback for the Texans. And Kareem was like a different guy, not just in 2011, but for the rest of his career, most of which was played alongside Jonathan Joseph. They were the fixtures at cornerback for this team for so, so many years. I tweeted about that, hoping that he would have a similar effect on Derek Stingley in the short time he's going to spend with him during this preseason. J.J. Watt actually replied to the tweet and said, one of the smartest players I've ever played with and one of the best teachers, mentors for young guys, this is going to be extremely beneficial for the young DBs and the entire squad. J.J. is the real deal. That's J.J. Watt saying that. John, what do you expect this? What, what kind of effect do you think Jonathan Joseph can have on – a full training camp working with Derek Stingley Jr. D'Amico's last year with the Texans was J. Joe's first year as a free agent, so they know each other. And the key is, does Jonathan want to dive in and do coaching full-time? He's been off now uh, two or three years. He's been an ambassador with the Texans. He's been around. Uh, you know, they have so many coaches. They've got, posi they've got coordinators, position coaches, assistant position coaches. But I think as much as they will allow him to do, he'll do it. And you mentioned Derek Stingley Jr. That would be the player I would target. What he can learn in a short period of time from J. Joe, if he listens and wants to, will be immeasurable. Yeah, I would. I mean, like the selfish Texan fan in me says, make J. Joe Derek Stingley's private coach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Attach him at the hip to Sting. Stingley means more than any other cornerback on this team, than every other cornerback on this team combined given what they invested in him in terms of of uh, of draft capital. Yeah, I'm – go ahead, John. I, I was going to say, the one thing they won't be doing is having a salad together because Jay Joe's never had a salad. He's a junk food junkie. Cecil Shorts was the first one to tell me that, that the one thing – you know, the, the one thing we can't have Jonathan imparting upon these rookies is his wisdom from a dietary <laughs> standpoint. He's like you and me pre-soda weight loss, John. He's, he, he loves that fast food and he loves those sweets it's from what uh, – from what everybody says. And yet the guy hangs, John, you know, Jonathan Joseph is the guy hangs around the league for what? 15 years, 16 years. I think he got, came in in 06. He's taking nine picks ahead of D'Amico. That's kind of funny when you think about it now. Um, and then I think 2020 was his last season in the league. 
He's like one of those guys, John, like, and again, for those who don't know, Jonathan Joseph reported like a great player for 15, a decade and a half used to eat junk food constantly all the time. He's like one of those people that you see like these articles, like a uh, 101 year old man in Colorado Springs attributes his fifth of whiskey. He drinks every day to living so long. Right? I guess J Joe. <laughs> That's unbelievable. All right. So we're both thumbs up on Jonathan Joseph in this role. And I think in life, Jonathan Joseph's one great dude, right? Absolutely. All right. So um, John, as we uh, get maybe shift a little more over to training camp in general, um, you and I have talked plenty about camp in the last few pods here, but we've got uh, just 48 hours to go. Are there any final things like as we get closer, as we're just maybe a day or two away, like as you think about walking on to, into camp that day, like I always talk about the position groups and compare it to Disneyland. Like, which ride are we going to go on first here? Who are we watching? Like, what position group are you most excited? Other than quarterback, which position group are you most excited to watch? Well, first of all, I'm going to have a column on SportsRadio610.com later today about five veterans who are under the most pressure to produce the way they're capable. And I'm starting with Derek Stingley Jr., mm -hmm. who we just mentioned, and then Kenyon Green. You know, Robert Woods is under a lot of pressure, a veteran's receiver to be healthy and step up and play the way he did when he played for the Rams before he blew out his knee. And uh, I'm gonna, with so many new players, I'm going to watch the secondary for Petrie, but also Stingley. Linebackers, I don't have as much interest in. Toa Toa, he interests me because he's a rookie. And once you and Seth got Nick Casario to bring him up out of the blue, that showed me how impressed Nick was because Nick never brings up rookies. Getting the log jam out of the defensive line where they have at edge rushers and interior, watching Will Anderson Jr., who may be uh, – I'm not saying he's going to be better than Clowney and Mario Williams, who were the top overall picks, but he was higher rated than Mario Williams. And of course, Clowney was – highest rated, a generation-type player, but he was never a great pass rusher, even in college. Will Anderson Jr. is a great pass rusher. Offensive line, eh, not really. I'll I'll watch Kenyon Green and see how Juice Scruggs takes a little time to get up there. Tight ends, we know Dalton Schultz can catch. The wide receivers, yes. Uh, seeing how that sorts out with so many candidates, and I can't wait to watch Tank Dell. And more important, Sean, I can't wait to talk to him because we haven't been able to talk to Tank since the day he was drafted. Yep. I, John, you hit a bunch of the ones I had here just as I was kind of chicken scratching my list together before camp. Health of Kenyon Green. It's not just Kenyon Green, the player. It's Kenyon Green, like the human being. Is he healthy, physically healthy? Because um, he had knee surgery back in March, at least a procedure on his knee. It wasn't reconstructive or anything. It was a scope, but still. So, yeah, Kenyon Green. I had Kenyon Green. Does Stingley, does the new bulked up Stingley mean a more durable Stingley? I don't think we'll find that out until the season, but how does Stingley look for sure? The wide receiver three spot, because I think Robert Woods and Nico Collins are the top two right now, because all the other guys are basically rookies. You know, I know I know Noah Brown is in the mix. He feels like more of kind of that back end of the depth chart journeyman type guy. I feel like Nico and Robert Woods, like they were to line up in a two wide receiver set tomorrow in a game. I feel like Robert Woods would be on one side, Nico Collins would be on the other. Who of this young group of John Mechie, um, Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson, who takes potentially takes that wide receiver, or any of them, you know, maybe it's none of the above, takes that wide receiver three spot. So that's one for me. 
free agents in general, the the not the undrafted ones, but like the the Dalton Schultzes and the Singletaries and the you know the the, the Robert Woodses of the world, and then a bunch on the defensive side, Jimmy Ward, guys like that. Which free agents jump off the page and feel like okay, this feels different? You know, they they sang, they signed so many journeymen the last few years that were just hanging on in the league. Not like they signed a bunch of Pro Bowlers, but they signed a bunch of guys who could be contributors on good teams around the league. Do those guys jump off the page? And the last thing for me, John, and I just jotted this down as you and I were talking at the beginning here, but I'll be anxious to see if this excitement that you and I uh, at least hypothesize is out there. It feels palpable because you and I see it on social media, around town. We talk to people and things like that. This the world. That's the world we live in, though. You know, We live in a constant world of interaction with people who would naturally be excited does that excitement that you and I are feeling from the people we interact with on a daily basis, does that translate into, wow, the stands are full again out at these practices? Wow, everybody's excited. Not just people who read your columns or listen to my show, but the average fan in Houston that just likes football when it's good. Are they buying in on this sort of thing? I'm really anxious to see if that buzz that you and I are feeling translates to what we feel out there when we're out there on Wednesday morning. I'll go back to the draft. And when C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. were drafted down at Miller uh, Outdoor Theater and thousands of people just went crazy. And then, of course, everybody went crazy over D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico is the main reason I think the stands will be full for the eight open practices they have. Yep, I hope so. Should be a lot of fun, man. Should be a lot of fun. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're out there and you see me and John, be sure to say hello. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you downloading on the Odyssey app or on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, appreciate you helping grow this thing. All right, John, you want to do a final pre-camp for Real or Fugazis with me? I do, and I want to point out I'll be on during training camp with Mark Vandermeer and John Harris every morning at uh, 8.45. Okay, so you're like the pre, you're like the pre-game show to all the practices every day. Every practice, day. Practices start at 9 o'clock. Uh, on most of these, about 95% of the practice. And, and it's an hour later than last year. And I thank D'Amico for letting us sleep an extra hour. Well, sleep doesn't extra. affect, doesn't affect you. Of course, you have to get up so early. Yeah. But, uh, let's us an extra hour is important to me. To me, that's an extra hour in the Texas heat. Instead of being done at, you know, 1030, we're done at 1130. Now. He doesn't bother me. I'll spend my whole life in it. Well, and you're much, there's less of you to love now, John. There's less of you to sweat now. <laughs> Hopefully so you, after sweating like crazy, there'll be even less. That's right. The training camp. That's right. That's right. Soda weight loss. Sweat of the art is what we call that out there. All right. Um, some for real or fugazi. And actually none of these are Texans related, John, but this is just a way to mix in some of the other things that we, uh, that we're talking about or that are newsworthy around the league. We ready to go? Ready. All right. For real or fugazi, here's what I do. I've got a bunch of sentences in front of me. I read them as if they are fact. John will react to them. He will either agree with me that that is true and he will say that it's for real or if what I said to him does not register at all and he thinks it's false, he will say fugazi. Fugazi. That is Italian for counterfeit. You Sopranos fans, you already know. All right, John, the NFL Top 100 begins on Monday night, the unveiling. The first 10 players in the NFL's Top 100 picked by the players around the league are unveiled on Monday. When we get to number one in about 10 days, Patrick Mahomes will be the number one player in the NFL top 100 for real or Fugazi for real. My goodness. There's going to be nobody else. I, I, once I learned only about a few hundred vote on that thing every year and they trumpeted up so much on the NFL network, I kind of lost interest, but we know who the number one player will be. The key is, Who's going to be number two? Yes. I'm I'm guessing 
Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, but I'm thinking it's going to be a quarterback. Would it be Burrow? I, would you take Burrow or 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 Josh Allen? I'd take Burrow. I'd take Burrow. Yep, I would definitely take Burrow. I, I, I think Burrow should be ahead of Josh Allen. Um, I think Justin Jefferson absolutely should be up there. Who's the Who's the defensive player, John, that you think? You know, we were so used to for years and years, J.J. Watt being, you know, maybe not – no, he was number one one year. I can't remember which year it was. He was number one overall in the top 100 one year. Um, it really does change hands quite a bit. There's very few times where it's been a repeat guy ever. Um, who's the defensive guy that comes to mind for you when you're – if you had to put a list like this together of the top 100 players, who would you, who would you put at the top on the defensive side of the ball? One of a guy that Domenico Ryan's played a big role in helping improve, and that's defensive end Nick Boza from the uh, 49ers. I think he'll be the top-rated defensive player. You know, the top-rated Texans got to be Laramie Tunsil. He's not going to make the top 10. I'm guessing that Laramie be somewhere in between in in the 20 range. Yeah, I was going to say somewhere around – I was going to say 30, just because sometimes – You might be right, all hey, the skill position he, Well, all the skill guys, and he still plays for a team that's one of the worst teams in the league. You know, These aren't – to your point, John, these several hundred players sitting down filling out their ballot aren't looking at pro football focus and the analytics <laughs> and things like that. You Great know, point. It's front of mind. guy. you got to think of who the voting constituency is. But he he will be in there. He'll be the only Texan in the top 100, right? Do you think Damian Pierce cracks a top 100 list? I don't think so. Probably missing four games uh, last year. Uh, I don't think so. He almost missed all of five. I got a for real or for Gazy for you. Okay, go ahead. Do you think Derek – okay. Derek Stingley Jr. spends a lot of time angry because Sauce Gardner is getting all the attention that he thinks he should have got if he had stayed healthy as a rookie. You're asking, for Gazy. Do I think that Stingley feels that way all the time? I'm saying he does feel that way. Is that uh, for uh, real or for Gazy? I'm going to say, I hope, God, for real. I hope for real, John. I mean, if he's if not for real, then what are we doing? Uh, I'm going to say for real. I think I uh, you wouldn't know it to, to kind of watch Stingley and the way he carries himself. He's very quiet. Um, but I, I'm going to say for real. Do you agree? I would I would say for real he should be. Now yeah. he would never admit that, but all this attention and honors and the publicity that Sauce Gardner gets, even though he was drafted one spot behind Stingley, Stingley may not be saying, "Man, I got it. I, that should have been me." But it's got to be a little motivation for him to see that he could. He'll never get the same attention with the Texans as he would have with the Jets, but there's no reason he can't be as good a player or better than Sauce Gardner. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. You, you, this NFL top 100, you want to, you want a hot take or a prediction? I'll, let me do this one, John, for real or for Gazy again for you. We're spending way more time on the top 100 than I thought we would, but this is fun for real or for Gazy. Sauce Gardner will be a top 10 player in the NFL's top 100. Fugazi, he'll probably be in the top 20. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I he could sneak in there, John, New York, Upstart team. He was all pro. I mean, he was a first team all pro, and he's got that nickname. You know, the guys like the nickname Sauce, John. And that he's matters. gaudy, gaudy with the jewelry. He hangs out with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. To, went to a Knicks game with him. He just saying. gave Rodgers a necklace, got all kind of attention for it. So he might just sneak in because the players are voting, but I think he's definitely top 20. Top 20 for sure. I, I mean, I would, I would, I would bet my savings on top 20. 
Um, all right, next one, John. At least one of Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs will miss games this season in a holdout. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. Those guys are not going to fork over money out of their only $10.1 million that they're making. They can talk all they want now, but those guys are not going to pull a Le'Veon Bell because their agents, if not them, are smart enough to see what happened to Bell. So you get in there, you play as well as you can, and hope that you're not franchised again, even though it might be inevitable. John, what did you think of the Zoom call that about a dozen running backs had on uh, on Saturday to discuss their plight? It just plight, honestly, yeah. it feels it, it felt to me like I'm like I'm picturing like metaphorically just a circle of guys, like a, like a circle of guys just sitting there complaining, you know, like just the what. Because like what what solutions are you going to come up with when this whole thing's been collectively bargained? Other yeah. than other than saying, hey, we all need to get everybody to sit out. Like every running Florio was just, Florio was putting that out there. The only way they're going to get anything done is to have all the running backs sit out when OTAs roll around next year. <laughs> Good luck with that. I've had people ask me on other shows, will the NFL do anything? I said, why the hell would the NFL do anything? John, I, I've never seen anything like like I've never seen sports fans so worked up for the silliest cause than running backs are underpaid. There's people who are like legitimately angry and feel like these guys are wronged. And I'm like, this, this is the, this is one of the dumbest Hills I've ever seen people die on in my whole life. I heard in on the NFL radio, Charlie Weiss, who's on there in the mornings going on and on about the injustice of it all. I'm thinking okay. if you were in the front office and you were doing a contract, you wouldn't feel that way. Because players should blame their union. That that's the part of the collective bargaining agreement, as you mentioned. But also, colleges are putting out so many running backs, and analytics show that you can win without spending a fortune on a running back. Okay, Charlie Weiss was one of these people who was standing on the table for running backs. <laughs> he was John. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah. Okay, good. I feel better that I, I think told it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I told his agent, Bob Lamont, when he was hired by Notre Dame, he's going to bomb out. And Bob said, oh, no, no, he'll be great. I said, do you want to bet? He wouldn't bet. And as you well know, being a fighting Irish, uh, he he bombed out. Yeah, did he ever. All right. Um, Next one, John. Uh, The Johnny Manziel documentary comes out on August the 8th on Netflix, um, part of the Untold series on there. This looks like a good a good four pack of episodes. They've got one of them is a 70 minute Johnny Manziel documentary for real or Fugazi, John, we will come away from the Manziel documentary feeling more favorably about Johnny Manziel. Oh gosh. I'll say for real because time has passed from all his partying and not working and, and people want to see what he's doing now. Hard to feel I'm, less favorably about Johnny yeah, Manziel, too. I'm so excited about it. I'm going to go ahead and subscribe to Netflix because I've, I've there's a million things I want to see on TV before getting Netflix, but uh, their special, especially on sports, are so good. And I like Manziel. I, I've always thought if he'd have had um, 
better direction. And I'm not talking about his coaches, somebody outside of football to help to, to grab him and shake him and saying less partying and more football when he got to the Browns because he didn't do squat to work with the Browns, one of the all-time worst draft choices. But I liked him when I spent time with him in San Diego, writing about him before that draft, and I loved watching him play. He'll go down as one of the all-time biggest disappointments because we all were mesmerized by him when he would take a snap. John, you you mentioned that that piece you did on him. You you were the one who he said to you that he was going to turn that Frito into a Dorito or whatever it was when it, about the chip on his shoulder. Yeah, um, he said I'm going to turn that chip, that that chip on my shoulder from a Frito to a Dorito. To a Dorito, yeah. I mean, it's just a phenomenal quote. <laughs> it really is. Uh, too bad he didn't live up to it. But I I guess just as someone who covered him, you know, that you did that story on him. You flew to San Diego, uh, watched him work out with George Whitfield, his private quarterbacks coach your sense in the whole Manziel saga leading up to the draft like what what did you think was going to happen with him on draft night like leading up to it from what you had seen personally and from maybe what you had heard behind the scenes like was Cleveland the only team that was going to take him was he ready for a big fall did you think at any point when you were out there in San Diego covering him did you think at any point man this this kid looks like he's ready to be drafted really high in the NFL draft Uh, he worked his tail off out there he said all the right things Mike Evans was there working with George Whitfield he had James Lofton the Hall of Fame receiver and broadcaster uh, working with Evans it was so much fun watching him guy going over the on the computer with Johnny Football uh, had him talking, showing, talking about coverages and everything in the NFL was Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. who's now the head coach of the Vikings. So it was all set up for him, but he just didn't work hard enough when he got to the Browns. And he knows it now, I'm sure. He's still widely popular. He still does oh, yeah. autograph sessions and he makes appearances around the country. And I doubt seriously he's hurting for money. And I can't wait to see this show. I thought the Cowboys were going to draft him. Remember Jerry Jones wanted to draft him. Stephen Jones talked him out of it. It would have been a match made in heaven. And Johnny Manziel talked about that, about possibility of him and Jerry Jones with his favorite team growing up, the Cowboys. It would have been a match made in football heaven. I'm thinking, yeah, right. (laughs) Would have been a match made in partying heaven for sure. Um, you know, you, you know who they took instead of Manziel, John? Who was it? I forgot. Zach Martin. Oh yeah, Zach Martin. Who's oh yeah, a pretty good Hall player. <laughs> he's now he's mad because he's not making enough money. But boy, did that work out well. It did. It did. Yeah, that was a uh, good thing. Stephen Jones took the wheel. Pops, let me drive for a, for a minute or two. You can come back <laughs> around four. How's that? Um. All right. So uh, Manziel doc coming out August the eighth. All right. Let's do a couple more for real or fugazis, and we'll get out of here, John. Um, let's do an Astro one. Trade deadline, John, coming up in a little over a week. The list of Astro untouchables is Jordan Alvarez, Framber Valdez, and Kyle Tucker, and that's it. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. I don't think they'd trade Bregman or Altuve. I don't think anybody would make them a big, an off, a big offer for them. I think they'll have to get rid of prospects. And what I'm wondering, Sean, will Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers and Corey Jolts all still be on the team after the trade deadline, or one will be included in a trade. And also, I keep hearing, reading, that uh, teams are interested in J.P. France and Brandon Belak as part of a trade for a starting pitcher or a reliever. Where would they be without France and Belak right now? 
considering how mediocre Christian Javier, Hunter Brown had been. And even Fromber Valdez struggled before the All-Star break, and he's had some downs along with the ups after the All-Star break. So those three pitchers are not pitching the way they did, and yet they go into the Rangers series three games out of first place. They're, they're, John, they're three games – in front of the Red Sox and Yankees right now, who who are the first two teams out of the playoffs. The Astros are, I think, a game up on Toronto. The Astros would be the five seed if the season ended, as you and I are recording this right now. They'd be the five. Toronto would be the six, a game back of the Astros. And then two games back of Toronto are Boston and the Yankees. I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that Belak and France are the difference between the Astros being in the playoffs and out of the playoffs right now. At, That's at a great all. point. Great yeah. point, John. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, last one. John McClane is going to see the Barbie movie for real or Fugazi? Fugazi. I Why went not? to see uh, Oppenheimer and I would highly recommend it to anybody. It is great. Is it great? You know, okay. It is great. Okay. It will dominate the Academy Awards for everything from acting to directing to sound to editing. Okay. It's just tremendous, and there's a lot of stuff in there I didn't understand when they're talking about nuclear fission and everything, but it didn't did matter. not dampen it at all. And we went to a 9.45 a.m. flight, I mean, movie, movie and yeah. it was packed yeah. over at Silver and I-10. And then we came by there after a dinner last night, and the parking lot was still packed for Barbie and Oppenheimer. People are going to see those movies like crazy. I think people are liking getting back out to the movies, John. I really do. I think. Did you gonna... notice that? I'm sorry. The, That's okay. The, direct, the director got mad at Warner Brothers, who he had worked with all those years, Christopher Nolan. And they, the last time they put his movies out at the same time they were online on HBO Max, he thought it hurt him and he never did it again. And now this is like old fashioned releases. It's great. Movies. And I, and, and, Oppenheimer was filmed in IMAX. And if you can go to IMAX, it's even better mm. because of the sound. And it's not just when they detonate the bomb, when it's tested. It's uh, He has these visions of it. So you have the sounds of a bomb exploding and rumbling. Mm. Uh, but I just can't recommend it highly enough. There were a lot of young people. And I say young, I'm talking about 20s and 30-somethings. Yeah. I wondered if they would care about this movie. Obviously, they did. Yeah, I. Um, it's three hours long, John. Are you somebody who normally is able to sit through a three-hour movie? Absolutely. And it's, if if it had been four hours, I would have sat through it. Okay. If it's a good movie, just like a good baseball game. If it's a good baseball game, I don't care if it's four hours. Yeah. And if it's a good movie, but what you don't want to see is a bad baseball game with bad pitching, and that's why they're in so many extra innings. But yes, Oppenheimer, I would say go to the bathroom right before you go mm. in the theater because you don't want to miss any of it. Wow, it's that good throughout, huh, John? It's an edge of your seat kind of thing. You and Amy will love it, even though you know what's going to happen. <laughs> There's so many actors, <laughs> so many actors in there yeah. who small parts just because they wanted to be in such a profound Film. Yeah, we've become iPick snobs, John, Amy and I. We've only gone to iPick to see movies because you get the little fleece blankets and the booths are kind of private and the, the menu is great and they've got specials on wine and things like that. Yeah, when you've been married as long as Carol and I have, you know being 
private and having a blanket to share, no big deal. I'm not saying there's <laughs> chicanery going on under the blanket. We're in separate come chairs. Come on, you know. No, no, come on now. I think Amy's parents listen to this podcast, John. All right. Um, their daughter is pure as the driven snow. Okay. Um, <laughs> But I, but I like the iPick, and that's the only thing is with the iPick, you got people people buy tickets to some of these movies at the iPick, like they're buying tickets to concerts. You know, they do it like three weeks out. You know, you go look at Oppenheimer. You know, I think I want to go on August the 3rd. Nope. You can go 10.30 a.m. or 10.30 p.m. That's it, kid. Those are the only times you can go. So it's, I, it's an event to go there. Yeah, I know. I can't. Do, I could do the three hours in the morning. Three hours at ten thirty at night. I can't do. Now I'm not. I mean, I can't do it on a weeknight, obviously, because I got to get up. But even on a Friday or Saturday, it can be a great movie. If I'm in a movie theater and I've been drinking wine and it's midnight, I'll start to doze off a little bit. So that's why we always go early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. So, so that gets a, a two thumbs up from the the John McClane Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, good. Like it. All right, John. Um, so what do you got? You and I got a lot of stuff going on. You got stuff going on on the website, and you and I both have the big Houstonian event going on. We do have the Houstonian event on August 24th. We've got a big camp. I'll be on with you guys at 7 o'clock during the first two Wednesdays of camp. I'll be on with Mark Vandermeer and John Harris every day at 845. I'll have a column later today on SportsRadio610.com on the five veterans under the most pressure at training camp. And uh, we'll have our Utopia Football Podcast. Amen. Yeah, we're going to have those. And it'll be two two per week, barring something huge happening. And then maybe, you know, we have the occasional uh, emergency pod. But uh, it looks like it'll be two per week all the way up to the season. And then when the season starts, man, we kick it into overdrive with uh, with three episodes a week. So we're looking forward to that. Camp gets started on Wednesday morning. And we got you covered right here. John, I enjoyed it as always. John, I did too. And thank you very much. And thanks to our producer extraordinaire james jackson he is the best james jackson getting it done for us he's the one that makes sure that uh, this pod gets out to all you guys speaking of which hit that subscribe button wherever it is you get your podcast make sure that you get it sent to you it's easier that way then you don't have to go looking for it but if you give john and i a follow on social media if you're watching on youtube you can see the uh, social media and john's right over there 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 um, you can see our Twitter handles at the bottom of the screen there, right below each of us, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL, at Sean T. Pendergast. You can get us on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. <laughs> um, so uh, for the Hall of Famer, John McLean and our producer, James Jackson, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. This was a fun one, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun when training camp gets started here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you later on this week.